Hey there, entrepreneurs, and welcome to episode two of our Money Mindset Month. And if you have not had a chance to go back and check out last week's interview with the amazing Sean Croxton, you're going to want to do that because he's going to drop so many, you know, just amazing tidbits on you to help you get the hell out of your way so that you can start making the money that you deserve to make. But on this week's episode, I am jumping in with the amazing Misty Lynch. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. Hey there, entrepreneurs, and welcome to today's show. We are continuing the theme of the money month, and I am really excited to have with me today this Misty Lynch. And Misty is a certified financial planner and certified life coach, providing personalized advice, investments, and resources to help you handle your money and life with confidence. And the thing is that I love about her is that she's financial planner and life coach. So she understands on some level, the psychology of money, which is, you know, comes in handy. So Misty, thank you so much for being with me here today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah. So let's, let's dive in because I think that is an interesting combo that you don't see often. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your entrepreneurial journey so far? Sure. So, um, yeah, you're correct. As a traditional financial advice has always focused mostly on numbers, returns, investments, companies, everything that's very much, um, you know, tactical, like looking at, at really just the facts. Right. And so as I started working, you know, working with people and their money, there was very few people who came to me saying like, I want X return in my portfolio within this many years. <laughs> yeah. They want to feel different. Right. That's the only reason most of us reach out to anyone for anything is because we want to feel different than we feel right now. So we look for, maybe a trainer to help us with our fitness. We look for um, a teacher to help us learn something new. And then with, with the finances, typically it was, you know, yes, I know I need to do something, but I'm just not sure what. And that really became kind of a tipping point for me to realize like, okay, it's not just about being the smartest person in the room when it comes to, you know, financials or being really great with my calculator. (laughs) Like I needed to really get to to understand like a deeper level of like what's motivating my clients so I could really help them get where they want to go. Yeah. I mean that it just, it makes so much sense. And I think I'm glad that this topic is coming up more nowadays than, you know, it used to. And it was just kind of like, you know, earn or save and spend mm-hmm. and very, like you said, straightforward yeah. factual questions when we as humans do everything from some sort of an emotional perspective. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that we're getting emotional, that's different, but mm-hmm. our subconscious thoughts and our emotions drive us. Right. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into that? How'd you get into so, financial planning? You know, I really, um, well, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with my life. My parents were self-employed. And they talked about money all the time. Money 
Um, and for a lot of it, it was scary. I mean, like for a period of time when the business wasn't doing well, all we thought about was where the next check is coming from. And when that's not clear, it was right. scary. I mean, yeah. there was really some times where it was so stressful that like, I don't know how we held it together. <laughs> like, but so thinking about it, all I thought was like, if I had enough money, I would have no problems. Like everything would be fine. If we had, if we just had more money, there would be no fighting. Sure. There would be no stress. We would be okay. And now I realize that it's not exactly about the money, but money does cause a is. lot of stress. <laughs> there are a lot of things that can be made a hell of a lot easier if you've got some money to solve that problem instead of it becoming a bigger problem, bigger problem, bigger problem. And then all of a sudden you're like, what do we do now? So, yeah. yeah. So I really was just obsessed with thinking about how to use money, how other people look at money, how to make it, how to invest it. And all of those things kind of led me down the path to, to get into the financial space. I was an advisor for a few years as a young woman in my twenties where people were like, can I please talk to your boss or whose assistant are you? <laughs> and I hated it so much left for corporate America for about 12 years. And then finally decided at 40, I don't care <laughs> anymore. Yeah. I I'm going to do what I want to do the way I want to do it. Even though there's no clear path. I can't say that I have a ton of female investment advisors that are, you know, in their sixties and seventies, like not a lot of them exist. It's been a typical, you know, typically male dominated space, but, and, you know, I'm not afraid to talk about feelings, which has been really neglected because it's not really something everyone feels comfortable talking about. <laughs> right. Which is completely contradictory to the space because, yeah. you know, having worked with planners and different people myself, like you go in and you lay out all your cards, like you are vulnerable in that space when you're like, Oh, by the way, here's the money I made because that's where the facts are, right? Regardless of what yeah. you look like on social media or to other people or whatever, like you have to be vulnerable yeah. on some level. So it just cracks me up when people say that's like devoid of emotion. Of yeah. Like, no, the whole industry has kind of been based on like, I am the expert. You yeah. tell me your things. I tell you what to do, but I know yeah. that I'm not the one that's going to be making the financial decisions. They are. I'm not the right. one that's going to like, maybe, yes, I invest some people's money for them, but if they decide they want to take it out tomorrow because they're scared, I can't stop them. No. So like they need to manage their brains too. And so I think that whole, I'm just going to hand it over to somebody to fix my problems for me. is kind of a thing of a past, at least my clients, they, they need to trust you. They need to be a relationship there. And, um, mm -hmm. they're really looking for someone to guide them, not exactly come in and be the hero. Well, right. I mean, especially again, I don't want to be knocking the men, no mm -hmm. offense there, men, but like, especially with more women with salaries coming up, yeah. especially where, you know, that's not how we operate. Yeah, and, no. You know, and I mean, we're used to running it. Yeah. I couldn't go to my mom for advice. You know, she, she, would, no. you know, none of us probably have really the exact same like level of, you know, ambition, um, maybe financial gain, you know, maybe we just don't have a lot of role models or people that we can look at. And, you know, you go to the men in your family for advice on certain things and what to do, and they're going to have a completely skewed angle of what you should be doing. And so I really think sometimes it is nice to go to someone that you can relate to and understands that like, you have a lot of different goals. Yeah. Some are financial, yeah. some are personal, some are, you know, some are just things that you, you've dreamed about and like, and look at it all as being important, not just the, the income or the, the salary goals. Yeah. And I mean, and that's where your life coach shows through, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're thinking of like the wheel of life, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Or for those of you who don't understand that, it's essentially a pie chart, which you slice into kind of your priorities or how you want things to look of life, right? So 
that makes sense so that you're not just factoring the money part of it in a silo. Yeah. Because money impacts all the other goals. Exactly. Every single one of them. <laughs> it's funny. I was in a course in a money course recently, like a money mindset course. And he was like, he asked the group, like, would you rather be happy or would you rather have money? And, you know, at first everyone was like, happy, happy, happy. You know? And then he was like, what are you gonna do with that happiness? You're going to buy groceries with that happiness. Yeah. But it's like, you know, they're like, oh, I would go volunteer and I would give And he was like, give what you don't have money. <laughs> so it was yeah. interesting. It's really funny because you're right. Like, yeah, I think there is this whole thing about like money being something that's kind of bad to want or mm -hmm. um, selfish to really care about, or to say like aggressively, like, yeah, I want to make a million dollars. I want to do these things and have people be like, but you're going to give it all away. Right. You're going to do something huge for the world. And it's like, no one says that to men. Like, yeah, yeah. you want to buy a cool car. Cause it's awesome. Yeah. Like for women, it's just like, okay, well, what's your reason behind it? Cause it has to be this like amazing, like mother or like, I'm going like, to like, and it's just like, maybe I just want to like have cool stuff and, and do what I want and go travel. And it's like, I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. Cause it's freedom. That's what money is really. And it's, in it's pure sounds like it is freedom folks. Yeah. Like it's not deciding when you are even at target, like, oh shit, do I have to get this or that? It's getting mm -hmm. both. It's freedom yeah. for those decisions, right? And it's, and when you're exactly like you said earlier, when you don't have it, it consumes you. Like, nope. I remember being at the grocery store where we had to decide what were we putting back because mm -hmm. we don't have enough to pay for all of this and the stress and the constant thinking yes. that had to go into yeah. every single thing we did. If we were to go to the laundromat, we had to have the quarters. We had to take two hours of our time to do it. Money gives you your time back. Money does a lot more things than just like, you know, being able to provide stuff. Like it, it's really, it gives your mind, you can't be creative when you're trying to figure out how you're going to like pay a bill. Right. You have to right. be really resourceful, scarcity, all of those things. But like when you have some flexibility to like know and have options, you're kind of in a different place. Yeah. I mean, I remember that my mom was super savvy when it came mm -hmm. to all of that. And like the, you know, the terminology of like stretching a dollar and stuff. Mm -hmm. And she, she worked so hard, but as I'm kind of, you know, the mom now and stuff like that, I'm like, and having been through challenging financial times, I'm like, how the hell did she manage to do what she did while probably constantly thinking about money? <laughs> no, I think about that. And that's what a lot of us are getting. Like the messages is like, stretch a dollar. Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, how do you make things last? How do you, you know, make the most of what you have where I'm like, let's start thinking about like multiplying those dollars. Yes. Let's Using your money in a smart way. We had a guest on um, another episode in the money month that said there's a difference between income generation and wealth building, right? Awesome. It's what you do with your money. Yeah. So you don't, it doesn't necessarily mean make millions. It means leverage the money you have. Yeah. Right. And which brings me to the topic of today, because it's one I see all the time. And I think it goes hand in hand with kind of that limit, limiting belief of, in, depending on how you look at it, um, you know, live within your means. Yep. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we're going to be talking about overspending and budgeting and all that good stuff. So what are you seeing from folks lately? Yeah. So I think that, you know, I've talked to a lot of people, especially after 2020, maybe they were doing less and maybe they didn't have certain expenses. Maybe childcare expenses went away or something like that. And they ended up having more money than they, than they usually do. And they were a little bit like, I need to figure out what to do with this. So I did have a lot more planning clients last year. And some of them were, um, 
And I don't want to say that they needed to be budgeting or doing anything differently, but they were spending because they were bored because they were frustrated Mm -hmm. because it was the only way to get things. You can't go browse the store when there's a lockdown. So, but you can do your one, you know, your one click shopping and things like that. And so that was kind of a trend that I recognized when I, um, was, you know, just had my baby. I was on, I was nursing all night long doing like one click shopping. I didn't even know what was showing up the next day. It was my buffering. It was basically like you would use or abuse drugs or alcohol or food. It was spending for me. It made me feel better temporarily, but there was no bigger picture. There was no grand scheme of things that I was doing. It was really just like a temporary little, you know, boost. (laughs) It was, it is. And then eventually I was like, this isn't a really great, this isn't really a great habit. I I didn't like it. Um, And so I'm seeing, I was seeing that a little bit with people who were kind of like, oh, I'm helping the economy. Oh, I'm helping small business. I'm doing this stuff. But it was just like, what you're really doing is trying to feel better. Yeah. But let's talk about like how you're feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about how you're feeling as part of that. Right. Because if we're not allowed to feel Mm-hmm. certain things, right. Yep. I've been having a lot of those conversations with people when, you know, they're questioning, like, I feel sad. Well, maybe you feel sad because you're sad. Like, yeah, that's okay. Not mm-hmm. trying to, you're so uncomfortable in those emotions that you try to like, you're like, Oh shit, get this away. I can't yeah. deal with it. Right. It's just funny. You say the spending stuff. Cause my neighbor and I are always talking about, it, and I had like, I don't even know, like seven mugs from target all different inspirational sayings and crap on them. Like, I don't drink that much stuff out of mugs. Like, yeah. you know, and just oh, all it, different things. It's never been easier to consume. It's never been easier to yeah. shop. It's never been easier to get anything you want than it is now. Right. And right. I mean, I think that that is something that the retail retailers have noticed. And also, you know, as somebody who is an investment advisor, I'm seeing what companies are embracing this trend of making it very easy for you to part with your money, mm-hmm. put it into their hands. And um, those companies are thriving in any sort of conditions, including a pandemic. And so there's a lot to it, but it's, it's really stopping to, to be okay with being something like sad Mm -hmm. or bored. And it's very un-American to sit with that and process it. (laughs) Yeah. You like to, you like to, you know, push it away, fix it, move on. Um, so yeah, so that's something that, you know, I spent a lot of money, like on the, on, uh, the life coach school, like that to me was an investment in myself. Was it, you know, money having to leave my hands? Yeah. But it was like for a net positive. Exactly. It was to move yourself forward and to kind of feed into your, your bigger picture. And Mm -hmm. I mean, folks listening at home also don't think the large companies aren't using emotion. To market to you because (laughs) I was reading the other day, like there's a reason why, you know, Kleenex is primarily marketed to women. Why? Because we cry more and we emote more. So, you know, for people who are kind of like emotions have nothing to do with e-commerce or money or anything else, like it's kind of the complete opposite. They may boil it down to data sets. Yeah. But they're using, they're using it against you folks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely so much targeting. And I mean, it's almost like you have to be really aware of it or else you're yeah. just going to feel like, wow, I do want this. How amazing that it just, yeah, I don't even know what I want. Like I know I buy like now at the point where they're so smart, they're telling me what I want before I even yeah. know I want it. Yeah. And so I just, you know, I started doing a few things and sometimes with my clients, I'll tell them to put something in a cart, wait 24 hours. If you still yeah. care about it, maybe we can go ahead and do it. We can plan for it. Um, tomorrow, usually that feeling is passed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's a, 
great suggestion for buying things for reacting in general. Yeah. Right. Especially yeah. when you're dealing in, you're dealing in a time of crisis and like at the baseline, right. Yeah. And then you pile everything else on top of it. Maybe just pause. Yeah. No, it can be, it can be really helpful. And I mean, I do that with a lot of things. I'll do that even with, with food or even with alcohol. I, if I plan to have a glass of wine, I plan, I'll have it tomorrow. Yeah. And it's in my plan and it stops a lot of the impulsive things that I do because I'm trying to escape a negative feeling. Right. Right. And I think, and I can hear some people saying, well, what about like the live in the moment stuff and the, you know, all that, everything doesn't need to be planned. Yeah. But right. That's our brain. That's our brain kind of wanting to get that immediate. Our brain is always looking to seek pleasure, avoid pain and create a shortcut. So like, if you're trying to say tomorrow, I can have this cookie, but I can't have it right now. Like, what if I die in my sleep? What if then like, like, these are all the things that you come up with. And it's just like, unlikely, Yeah, you know, like, but I think there is a time where you do think about like moments over money and those things can happen. They're not likely to be happening when you're scrolling your phone. Yeah, exactly. That's not it. No, that's escapism. Mm-hmm. 110% normally. Yeah. I mean, that's, and then I think the thing is too, is when you're scrolling your phone and you're on social media, it just perpetuates the need for other stuff, yes. right? Because you're yeah. seeing everybody else doing it and then keeping up with the Joneses, so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times I'll see things and be like, Ooh, I really want that. I think I would feel better about myself if I was wearing that or doing that. And it's just like, I'm nothing like that model. I have nowhere to go with it. So it's like, could it wait a day? Like, yes. Am I going to see this again? Yes. You know, it's not like, oh, if I don't buy it now, like I'm never going to find this product again. Like, no, they'll, they'll put it right back. Right. For a second. And also, I mean, in terms of kids, Mm -hmm. um, I saw a lot and I did it myself is when you were trying to, my, again, my neighbor and I were joking about overcompensating for holidays, right? Like we were buying everything under the sun. We must've bought out Michael's for like every activity you could have done for any, any holiday, any, anything. And I think that's also kind of showing them that you fill the void. Yeah. No, I know. Like my kids say they're bored. Go do something you do when you're bored. Go, you know, there's so much stuff in our house that you like really couldn't be bored, but it's like us adults who have a closet full of stuff and say, we have nothing to wear. Like we're not getting creative. We're always like, but yeah, I know the first pandemic birthday for my daughter, I felt so bad Yes, that I was like, okay, let's buy everything that we can get our hands on. And then it was just like, it wasn't because it was for me to feel better. Right. Exactly. It wasn't for her. She turned six. Yeah. She didn't care. He had a good birthday. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that that was something that a lot of us parents did was just like, oh my God, they're missing out on so much. This, this is wrong. Cause we're thinking about like, well, when we were in this age, we were seniors in high school, we were doing this or when we were in elementary school and it was like, but that's not really just embracing what's real right now. Yes. And I, and I think that's the key thing is, is if you're trying to, if you're so busy escaping, and again, like I don't say this because I'm not guilty of it because I 110% are mm-hmm. guilty of it at some point in time. But if you're so busy escaping, you'll never kind of process the stuff, process yeah. the crap that you're dealing with. And that stuff's going to manifest like, you know, in things like from an entrepreneurial standpoint, not setting your prices correctly or compromising your spending or overspending Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, I mean, what are you, how are you working with people in terms of budgeting around that stuff? 
So with budgeting is something that I, I think is really important. I think everybody has a budget, whether they are the one in control of it or not. Everyone has a limit with their credit cards. Everyone has, you know, the money in their accounts that they can use. And so I'll talk to people. I'm not exactly a huge fan of the zero-based budgeting, which a lot of people yeah. use where every dollar has a home. And the yeah. only thing I don't like about that is it doesn't really have any room for you to change or grow. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, so sometimes I like to typically, when I work with a client, I'll kind of just see how much it costs to be them in a normal month, normal three months, and then just figure out like, okay, what are they telling me they really care about? Right. They want to travel. They're saving nothing to travel. They tell me that the, you know, that they don't really watch TV. They're spending this much. So it's not always just cut cable, cut coffee, cut everything. No, it's not. But if they say like, oh, I'm paying $150 to the gym each month. I never go. I don't really like, like, I don't want to, you know, burst their bubble, but it's like, why are you, you know, it's not a charity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Don't donate to things that you don't care about. Like, you know, if you don't don like donate to the cable company or the gym, like, do the stuff you really want to do. Yeah. Move the money around and then just kind of see like, okay, what are they hoping to do in the future and starting to find ways to fund that. If they say they care all about their children and their families and they have no life insurance and they have no college savings and they have nothing really set up for those vacations they want to take. And the money's just going in different places. They're constantly going to be frustrated. Yeah, exactly. Always. And so, or they're never going to take that trip because it feels like they're taking it from something else that maybe is more important. So I try to really find out what, what it is that they really want to do. And for business owners, often like they might just keep pouring money into the, into the business, into equipment, into upgrades. Yes. They're afraid to go out there and make an offer. Exactly. Exactly. And so there's things that it's like, okay, well, what, what else do you really need to get going? And usually it's not more tech, more systems, more tools, more anything. It's really just, they need to just get started or have some comments. So maybe a coach would be a better investment for them <laughs> than really then like spending some more time and money on like the tools that feel like a good move. Right. But they're not really getting them anywhere. So that's what I kind of do with the budget is really just make sure that everything that's going on has a home. And then we can increase how much we save for retirement. If they want to retire early, we might increase that more. They want to save for college, travel, do all these things and retire and support their parents maybe, or help somebody right. else out. Then we just make sure. And then as we have more income, we can really turn up dials, turn down dials on different things as it changes. But I like there to be a little bit of room for people to actually change or else the budget's constantly going to feel like a nagging parent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, and I mean, you know, this from life coaching and I know it as well is that habits are hard to change, oh, yeah. right? So if, if you're going to put restraints and you're going to make it so black and white, while we're mm-hmm. all living in the gray on a lot yeah. of things, like you're just setting yourself up for failure. I mean, if yeah. you look at your budget, the same way you would look at like dieting, yep. right? Restriction works for some people, but for the majority of people, you know, the minute you say no, and you put boundaries on it, you zero it out. They're going to overdraft that account. Yeah. Um, you know, we tend to leave like an allocated amount of slush mm-hmm. just in case something like that happens just in an accounting, yeah. like in an account perspective. Um, but yeah. I think it's very good to point out also, like you said, you have to look at it. <laughs> can, yeah. we, can we just talk about that for a second? Cause yeah. so many people, God bless their hearts. They have no idea what yeah. their expenses are. Yeah. And I have a lot of people that are really afraid to talk to me or they always feel like they're doing something wrong. That's almost like the first thing they present with is like yeah. shame, guilt, fear. Yep. And it's just like, 
okay, you like to get your hair done. So what? Like, why is that? What are you, what are you making that into? And usually it's just, well, I should go somewhere cheaper. I should do this. And it's like, why you, some people make plenty of money and they still feel bad about like the things that they do. But I think bringing some awareness to it and saying like, okay, if we keep going down this path, this is what I do with planning. You know, you're going to have to work until you're 76. Is that likely that you're going to be in control of your retirement or when you can quit working at that age? Most likely not. Two thirds of us don't choose our own retirement. Like we're not, we're either forced into it, health reasons, caring for other people, layoffs, changes at work. So most of us aren't in control of it. So it's like, okay, if you want to take that risk going the same direction we're doing now, okay, but there's some, there's some flags here. Maybe if we readjust things, it could be easier. So I kind of help people just like with some what if scenarios and see like, what's the best way to get where you want to go with what you've got right now. Exactly. (laughs) Usually there's some adjustments because it is kind of like, well, I don't really know what's inside my 401k. I don't know what my investments are doing. I don't really keep track of what I'm spending, but I think it's too much. I think I could be doing better. And it's like, sometimes they're doing just fine. They could probably retire earlier. They just don't know it. So it's really awareness. And that can give them a little bit of, then once you become aware of what you're actually doing, making better decisions becomes easier, but you're not going to change overnight. Right. Right. And I mean, and there's, there's a certain, like certain sense of power you feel too, when you are kind of the captain of your own ship in regards to your finances, right? Like, I mean, we pay bills like every other week, right? And we have, I'm I'm married to an engineer, God bless his heart. And we have spreadsheets. We have all sorts of things going, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But there's something I feel good when I know where things are. Um, And I don't think people, I think if they can get past that shame, like Mm -hmm. you said, then they can step into that kind of captain role. Or being the yeah. CEO of their life. Yeah, no, they see it. And especially when I work with business owners, they get it. Or if, you know, if you're an executive at a company, you understand why you should have a budget and a balance sheet. Mm-hmm. You understand what's going on yeah. for everything else, but it's like looking at it for yourself. It feels like it's going to get worse. It's going to mean constraint and giving things up and sacrifice, which isn't true at all. A lot of times I can find things that people are very more than able to do, which kind of helps sometimes in a marriage. If you have somebody who's like, I want to take these vacations and somebody's like, no, we've got to save, we got to save. And I, as a third party can be like, there's plenty of money here to do both. You're well on track for these goals. Take the vacation. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or upgrade the kitchen or you're not going to be sane. And then nobody's making any money. And then you guys are unhappy, you know? So it's like renovate the bathroom, just go ahead and do it. And it's always (laughs) interesting. Like you said, like if I've I've seen a lot of executives and stuff like that too, who are making companies a lot of money and very aware of the money behind the businesses and stuff like that. But when it comes to that, them, it's like, they don't feel worthy of it or something. No, I mean, it's always easier to give advice to your friend than to, to do something good for yourself or to listen to yourself, you know? So I think they could probably see that as like, nope, we've got to make these sacrifices for the company. Or if we invest in this, it'll eventually pay off. This will yeah. be a, you know, we have to go in this direction where they might not want to do that with their life. Even yeah. if it could have that same return down the road, um, it's still just easier to stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a choice folks. <laughs> Staying the same is a choice, uh, which I think some people don't recognize. Cause I think, think a lot of folks aren't self-aware enough or just don't want to be awake enough, um, for lack of a better phrase, because 
shit's hard, right? Yeah. This year's hard. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes, you know, it's like, well, what I know, and you might get addicted to the level of stress that you're under all the time. Yes, it exactly. might not feel great, but it's just what you're used to feeling. Yeah. And so like, it's the devil, you know, yeah, you create drama or you like feel like there's scarcity when it's not there, or maybe you do have enough to be able to do something different, but it's like, oh, but what if things go horribly wrong? And it's what like, if? what if they don't? Yeah. Or like, you know, and I think people saw that a little bit, a bit of a wake up call this year where pe- things did go quite wrong. And it was like, man, do you now regret the vacation you took two years ago or the wedding that you went to? No, not yeah. really. Yeah. You know, so it's a different perspective because while you're in it, everything feels like this might be a mistake. This might be a mistake. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like a key of crisis anyway, yeah. is that you kind of, you, you forget that there's something outside the crisis, that yeah. there's a different way of being. And I think it's going to be interesting in the upcoming years, once, you know, normal C comes back, whatever that looks like mm-hmm. to see the spending habits and what's yeah. going to happen. Right. I think there could be a surge. Like I'm very confident in what the market's going to do this year. Cause I feel like once the world reopens, people are going to be in a rush to get back to um, maybe making up for lost time. Yeah. Um, so that could be interesting to see what happens there. But I do think that there maybe should be some long-term changes. Like, yeah, we went through a pandemic. Maybe it was, you know, re- like a virus that was actually physical. But like, think about like, if it was a computer, if it's something like this where I couldn't make my income, like maybe it is important for me to have that emergency fund kind of, or know where my money is if I yes. have to reach it. I mean, we're in May, like we're going to see the storms are going to start. I mean, we know that these things happen. Yes. You know, with yep. floods, hurricanes, all this stuff where we, we're, we're pretty aware that like, there's no, nobody's completely isolated from having something that could impact them temporarily. So I think people might be a little bit more aware of like, you know, you do need to know what your money's doing, where it is, what's accessible right now, what's for the future, what's way long-term and is it all working properly together? Right. Working together is the, mm-hmm. is kind of a key phrase there. And I think so, and I, I like the fact that you brought up the, the awareness that this last year has brought around that. Mm-hmm. And the fact of like, no one's, no one's untouchable folks. Right. Yeah. Like, cause I think sometimes you feel like you are, um, you know, but in regards to kind of that planning and things like that, can you explain to folks, at least I'm always telling clients this, the capital account, especially if you're an, if you're an entrepreneur and your ability to, you know, how many months you should have stored away in case things shut down, like all of that different things. Can you speak a little on that? Sure. And I've always been more on the conservative side with this really because of the way I grew up. I've seen, I saw my father have to reinvent his business, learn an entirely different skill, get a new license. And he was sitting on the porch, basically like with a book reading and figuring things out where we weren't making money for six months at a time. Yeah. And like, there was no real unemployment for you if you were self-employed. Exactly. So it was just like, we just kind of got by somehow. But if you're really, if you want to stay self-employed and you don't want something like, you know, a shutdown or something to really have to force you to now just go take whatever job you can go get. And then, you know, kind of shut the business down, shut the dream down. Like I do think instead of like the three to six months we were recommending before, I do think business owners should be thinking eight to 12 of basic expenses to keep the lights, like keep functioning. Like how can you work remotely? What, what are the bare bones things that you need? And you should have at least, you know, I would say, you know, eight months to a year's worth of those expenses kind of in a high yield savings or something that's just accessible because that is not an, it could be a reality. Yeah. 
I mean, I think we've all, we all saw it. Right. And I think if it wasn't for PPP loans and the IDL and all that stuff, you know, it would have been worse, (laughs) which is already pretty Oh, it's already pretty bad. bad. There's a lot of businesses. I mean, there's a lot of restaurants that shut down, but things like salons, things like that, they're reopening, you know, people did, they did find those and the government did step in to help. Will it always, I don't know, know. probably not. So, I mean, for the most part, if you're self-employed and your business has to change because of something that's going on, maybe a new rule, legislation, something like that, the government's not going to hand, get float you by. No, no one's going to give you lending. So you kind of have to self-fund that. Right. I mean, as, as one of our previous guests say, the cavalry is not coming. No. Right. So, and I think I love that, that story that you just told about your father, because one, I mean, it, it's a testament to his ability to pivot. So great. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think there's a lot of talk, especially in the entrepreneur area of things are just in the, even in the nine to five about diversifying your income streams, mm-hmm. like whether it's a side hustle or, okay. you know, if you're a coach, how do you diversify that? Right. Are you, you're hearing the same things I'm assuming? Yeah, no, definitely. I think people are more open to it. I don't think it's ever been easier to run or start a business or think about, you know, what else is out there that's missing that I can do to, to make money. So, I mean, like I do financial planning, investment advisory work, and then with the coaching, it's like, there's just different needs for different people. And if you have it in, if you're already at the point where you're thinking like, I make money using my mind, not I spend hours doing a task and get a check, then you can start to think of other things that could also either bring an income or, um, you know, be something where you could pivot to if you had to. So, yeah, I do think it's important for people to always kind of think about what could happen next or what they want to see down the road. And for business owners, um, yeah, they have to be really open to change if they want to stay business owners. Right. Right. And I think again, thinking about that long-term. So, I mean, I want to, I want to also be realistic for some of our listeners. And I know there's probably Mm -hmm. some people who are like, I'm barely like scraping by. So how am I going to invest in things and great capital Mm -hmm. account, but I can barely pay my bills. So, I mean, what's your kind of two cents for them? Yeah. So that's, I, I definitely understand that. And I will say this, that, you know, I feel like my life would have been completely different. And my mom, and and we've talked about it. She's like, if I even just put like, you know, $20, $50, some, because it sounds like it's not enough. So we do nothing. So starting small just doesn't feel useful enough, but I'm telling you over time, it will, it yeah. Especially with investing. Um, even if you start just by saving and then you start investing when you feel like you've got to a certain point where you feel comfortable with it but having some money is better than having no money. So when times are good, when you do have a big client, when you have a big thing, like always trying to think about paying yourself first or putting some money away, um, it might feel like nothing at first, but just do it. I I, I think it can be really helpful. Um, I started, you know, when I had my first job, I just signed up for the 401k and put the bare minimum I think I could to see if I had enough money to like out of my check to pay my bills, but I started. Exactly. Exactly. And that can be really helpful. If you're self-employed, have a separate account. You're not looking at it every day, you know, do it somewhere that maybe it's at a different bank or something Mm -hmm. online where it's not always looking, you know, in your face as money you can use, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I like the fact that you said like, it could be 20 bucks. It really could. Folks, like it doesn't, and I, and I, that is spot on that it's either, it's either they, they think it's impactful or they're just not going to do anything. And yeah. I'm sorry, if you have zero money, like five years from now, 
20 times, however many weeks or months or whatever that is, is a ton of money. It is. It is. And it's like, it just, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel good enough or big enough. But I think that's also just another trick our brain's playing on us to keep us small, keep us exactly where we are and like, think about, okay, well, what's going on right now? Everything right now is more important. Our primitive brain doesn't think about the past or the future. It thinks about right now. But I I'm telling you that that 20 bucks, if you do that, you know, every couple of weeks, whenever you can, it will eventually just prove to yourself that you can do it. Yes. Yes. I mean, and that in itself is extremely valuable because we know once yeah. you do one habit, right, it gets, you're, it gets right, easier exactly. to do others. Yeah. Then putting a hundred dollars or starting a 401k or for your company or doing something like that and putting a couple percent, you know, percent of what you make in that. Okay. Well, I've done this before. That's not so hard. I'll survive. I can change it if I need to. Um, but it's even just giving yourself that proof that you're capable of it. Yeah. And I think again, going back to what we were speaking about before, um, examining it with, with facts, mm-hmm. right? Like I think, I don't think I buy too many, you know, coffees. I don't think that, I don't think that I can't afford $20 a week when really you might be spending that on Starbucks. Yeah. No, else. like the $5 bin at target when your kid's like yeah, yelling at you and you're like, okay, fine. Like that could have gone to savings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, so it's definitely possible. I mean, there's certainly always like different ways. And I think like if that $5 target bin saves my sanity, then, I'll, then I'm buying the day. I'm doing it. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, there's other things that maybe, um, you wouldn't even notice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the key right there is your brain is telling you it's going to hurt a lot more than it actually is going to hurt. And I like the fact that you said, put it in account, put it in account that you, it's going to take effort to get it out. Yeah. Even if it's 24 hours before it transfers into your, you know, regular yeah. checking, that's long enough for yeah. it to be like, is this really urgent? Exactly. Or is this just me being like impatient? I want this. I don't feel happy today. Right. <laughs> and that, that extra step can sometimes be enough of a hurdle yeah. to just keep you like, Nope, I'm not even going to touch it. Right. And, and, you know, it's always interesting. My mom has always told me, you know, anytime you know, we've gotten a raise anytime this, she's like, don't treat it like a raise. Mm-hmm. She's like, ignore it and put the, put the excess somewhere. And same yeah. thing. If you have a surprise client, if anything like that happens, you know, well, number one, know what your bottom line is that you need to survive yeah. and need to function with um, so yeah. that you can do that. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're, you're so spot on. And I love the fact that you brought up, you know, out of sight, out of mind, we do that. Yeah, no. It's like our parents used to do Christmas clubs. They used to do exactly. things like that. Cause like Christmas isn't an emergency. We know it's coming right. every year, but it was like, okay, if I do a little bit at a time and then at the holidays, December, maybe I have like $600 that I could know was targeted for this purpose and I could be happy spending it. So yeah. there's certain things that, you know, resourceful people used to always do that made a point yeah. and we just kind of blow past it now. Cause we're like, ah, that doesn't exist. We can get what we want when we want it. Um, but things like that, they, they worked. Yeah, they did. And I think, so you're not having, like, I mean, I know I've done it. It's like October and you're like, oh shit. (laughs) Where's Christmas coming? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there were certain things that had its own little budget. Things were different. I mean, now things are, you know, a little easier to, to spend or whatever before it was a little bit more effort. I, you know, there weren't corporate bailouts. There weren't government like, coming in. Like if times yeah. were tough back then, like you're just getting yeah. high. So exactly. it's different. And I think we, we could maybe use some of those resourceful tips that, you know, maybe we did get from our parents or grandparents even yeah. without just being like, 
cut the coffee, cut the things that somebody else might not find important because <laughs> it really right. matters what matters to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that just falls in line with, you know, I'm always telling clients like success, success is an individual definition, right? Yes, like, absolutely. That- yeah. People ask me, how much money do I need? How much money, you know, what do other want? people have? And I'm like, how much does it cost to, to be you? Is a million dollars enough? I don't know. Are you spending a quarter million dollars a year? <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm if you are, that's not enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. $25,000 a year. Yeah. You might be fine. So it is really individual, but a lot of the advice that's out there is typically so broad and so yes. overarching that it just feels like, okay, this doesn't apply to me. This doesn't feel like me. Yeah. But you're right with the business owners. It's like, okay, no, you've got to, you know, what does success look like for you? And then visualize it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And I think, you know, it, and you're, you're spot on with things are so generalized or they don't address the combo of mindset and money. Yeah. You know, I remember watching like the Dave Ramsey yeah. stuff like before. Yeah. And, and I, I like the envelope system. Mm-hmm. Like we do it here. My mom did it growing up. It actually really helps because then we have to deal in cash. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the same time, you can, you can cut down your debt, but if your head isn't correct, yeah. you're putting it right back. Right? Yeah, no, because if it's about the debt, it's always going to be about the debt. Like it's actually yeah. about like how you feel and like exactly. about yourself. So like, yeah, there's certain tips that are helpful, like bits and pieces of that. Like, yes, parting with cash physically hurts. Yes. It feels bad. Swiping a card or clicking and swiping feels good to your brain. So like, yeah, cash, yeah. that makes sense. Um, you know, feeling like if you have any debt, like you're a monster, not super not so much. <laughs> I know. Why don't you do that's like the old school, like shame us into doing it. And yes. that, you know, all that, like all that yields is like bigger therapy bills. Folks. Yeah. No, you're just, <laughs> no, I'm not even going to start trying because I'm such a loser. Like when he's out there saying like, if the stimulus check helps you, then you've got bigger problems. It's like, thanks buddy. Like, like- <laughs> It's not helpful. Yeah. High five for telling me the, uh, you know, like, this could be enormous for somebody. This could, this could jumpstart a lot of things for different people yeah. and, um, to treat it like, oh, well, you're already kind of a loser, like unbelievable. And so I think, yeah, traditional financial advice has a lot of growing to do. Yeah. And so I, I do think that there is, there is room for it. Women are especially ready to have power, have control and strength and not feel like they're stuck in lousy situations or have to be rescued. Or, you know, I think they're, you know, they're taking on debt. They're getting, you know, they're starting businesses in record numbers. And so I think there definitely is a space to like, I don't know, maybe there's room for improvement and a little bit more feelings and thoughts behind what we're doing. You think <laughs> that always cracks me up, but I'm like, there's room for feelings and thoughts. I'm like, oh, good God, people like we need to learn. And I think, you know, we get better. I feel like maybe as each generation comes, like, you know, that's what folks will say, yeah. but you know, things are passed down from generation to generation, but folks need yeah. to remember to take the good and leave the bad. Yeah. Um, no. Take the unhelpful. We'll say it is. Um, in their and situation. I definitely think like traditional sales advice hasn't really caught up to like, I mean, it's still people in our industry are looking at like the books written in the 1970s. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like this is how you sell, find the fear, find the pain point. Exactly. Dig the knife in. And it's just like, that's not changing, but it's also like, that's going to exclude a lot of people who want have a bigger vision for their lives and want to like achieve big goals. You know, they don't necessarily want to be like, Hey, let's shine a light on all of these issues about you and how I could come fix it. Like they're not going to trust you. It's just outdated. 
Yeah. I mean, that level of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of us at this point, at least the people around me and I know myself, like I can see it coming a mile away. Oh yeah. You know, like it's like the old car salesman kind of mentality. Like, you know, I'll never forget. I went to buy a car sidetracking, went to buy a car by myself. And, you know, I had, I'm a researcher. I had everything on my phone, thank goodness for iPhones, you know, and it was that kind of a situation, that pressure sale and everything else. And I just like, I was there for probably six hours because I'll be damned, (laughs) you know, like pulling up facts. Like, and I think they were a little scared of it because they didn't know what to do with it. No, I know. And that's like the, the women typically that I work with. Um, they do their homework, mm-hmm. they trust their intuition. They're not easily sold anything. Yeah. And so that's why it's like, okay, I listened to all these things, you know, how to grow business, things like that. And I'm just like, this doesn't apply to me. This isn't, this is no. for somebody who wants to, you know, you know, maybe make handshake deals at a country club or something like that. Yeah. And I'm just like, I like, there's definitely a new audience to sell to, and they're not in the mood for that. No, no, they're not like, how do you provide value to that person? Those men who are just like, okay, you know, like this is, this is a relationship. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's the key is it's no longer, at least from what I'm seeing, it's no longer a pass a business card. It's a make a connection and build a connection, right. And relationship building, which at its core, really always has been sans the like bait and switch type bullshit that used to happen. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's always been, you know, people who are good with relationships or good with people are typically going to do well in whatever industry they end up, if it's real estate, if it's coaching anywhere like that. So I think it is being able to like see past, you know, what someone's really looking for and and how to serve them the best. Those people will always thrive if they're selling Mary Kay or Tupperware. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I think it's, and it will help redefine kind of that sleazy sales thing that I see in a lot of especially female entrepreneurs, we feel like we're being too sleazy. We feel like we're being too pushy. We feel like blah, 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 blah. Whereas guys don't feel that way. So I've never had like any, any of the guys I work with, like, Hey, do you ever worry about making too much money? Do you ever worry about this? And they're always like, what? Like, that's ridiculous. And so when I, you know, when I think about women who are like, Oh, I don't want to be too salesy. I don't want to, I don't want them to think they're getting a bad deal. It's like, what? are you giving them a bad deal? (laughs) What are you providing them? Like, are you taking, are you stealing their money? And it's just like, no, I offer this, 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 all these things that I'm doing. And it's just like, we can undervalue ourselves so much. I'm like, okay, think about it. Like you're already that hundred million dollar, you know, business owner. Like, what is she thinking? Exactly. Thinking that, you know, she needs to cut her prices or maybe charge left or give a discount or give things away because she feels bad for other people that I'm like, their lives could change with your help. Yeah. Exactly. I literally had that conversation with a client earlier today and I was, we were looking at like her five years from now. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, in the old kind of not old, but just the way of looking at it of like, would she do that? Are you doing her an injustice Yeah. by doing what you're doing now? Like if you're cutting your prices and compromising yourself yeah. left, right, and backwards, you're doing an injustice to her. Right. And now <laughs> she might be out of business. Exactly. And now she's miserable. So way to go. Yeah. <laughs> No, because you didn't want somebody to like, you wanted to like not hurt their feelings or maybe not make them feel bad if they couldn't afford it. It's like, if someone wants to work with you, they'll find a way. We've all done it. Yeah. We've found a way. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's about, and those are the people that you want to work with too, because they will, their priorities. Yeah. They're They're at it. They're ready to go. They know what they want. And like those clients, like I'll even ask people, like, how ready are you to like make some changes in your finances? And like, if they're at a six. Yeah. 
it, you know, it's like, some people are just like, no, like I'm this confident and I'm this ready. And it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I can work with like a one on confidence and a 10 on ready. Like that's okay. I can, yeah. I can help those people too. But if you're not, if you're not really, really looking to make big change as a business owner or really any, you know, in any role, that's going to be hard. challenging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it all comes back to a level of self-awareness on right, some, exactly. some levels too. Right. Yeah. Um, so just to recap folks, pay attention to your finances. <laughs> Even if you don't have a lot of money, you can do a lot with it. And also, you know, if you know your expenses, you know what you can and cannot spend and, you know, put a little bit away at a time. Right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we're wrapping up, any other kind of last tidbits you want to, you want to give folks last um, kind of tips or anything? Sure. I, I hope that people, you know, I want them to, no matter what happened with their finances this year, you know, it's definitely important to realize that that's not really a reflection of who you are. Yes. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, it's great. You know, I feel like the biggest investment you can make is in your brain and in your time and making sure that money is a third, you know, a close third for supporting those things. So, you know, if you want to go out there and, you know, change jobs, you want to create something new, you want to take some time for yourself or, you know, do those things like that to me is, is self-care is actually those things that eventually are going to get you, you know, have a greater positive effect on you down the road. And those are great things to invest in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, money's just a thing. Money is just a physical object. You give it the energy exactly that it has. And I think oftentimes people just give it the negative from a scarcity mindset or from old programming or whatever it may be, um, which, you know, you just, you just need to be conscious to not do that. Yeah. And question certain things that you believe about money. If you believe that it's hard, if you believe that it's the root of all evil, if you believe that it's, there's never going to be enough, just start asking yourself when those thoughts come up, if it's really true or why you're thinking that. And just pause for a second because we, we treat those things like we're reading the news, but it's not a fact. Right, right. There's a, um, what is it? I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to quote it, but the Bible verse that says like, basically, if you have a lot of stuff, you'll never get through the eye of a needle or whatever that one is. Right. Yeah. And I was in, in a class and um, he just proved it. He was like, when the Bible was written, there were no needles. There was no metal. He's like, so what, what are you doing? <laughs> And it was just, you know, it's these things that we've just kind of made into facts Yeah, that it's, you can think something different. It's okay. Yeah. It's really okay. And yeah. it's even okay to question it and yeah. then eventually be like, yeah, okay. I, I think, you know, that, that thought is helping me along the way. Yeah. I'll keep that one, but then feel yeah. free to get rid of some others. Exactly. Exactly. And do the work around that. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen so many business people who are brilliant business people, but they'll get, they'll hit a ceiling just because of things like that. Yeah. Because they might think, well, I'm a million dollar business owner, but I'm not a $10 million. No way. That's impossible. And you're like, well, why, when, why was this possible? What made this happen? And I've seen that with people that get stuck at a certain salary. They feel like that's what they're worth. Yeah. And it's hard for them to believe anything different, but you could just practice it. Exactly. Practice it. Keep (laughs) do a dry run of saying I'm a, I'm a, you know, billionaire. Yeah, over and over again. Write yourself a million dollar check. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, can you tell people where they can find you so they can learn more about you? Sure. Um, you can find me at mistylynch.com and then on social media at um, mistylynchcfp. 
you can find me there. And so on my website, um, there's time to schedule time with me. And if you're interested in more money coaching, we're launching in June and you can see, you know, what that program looks like and, and sign up for more information there. Nice. Wonderful. I love it. And also if you are not a member of my surviving entrepreneurship community, on Facebook, you might want to be because Misty is gifting members with an incredible video that will teach you the five easy steps you can take to simplify the entire money conversation. So folks step into your CEO role of your business, you know, that, that could, you know, come in pretty handy for video. So you definitely want to jump in there and take advantage of that. Misty, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation that I know a lot of people have benefited from. Thank you so much for having me. So the reason that I really enjoyed talking to Misty, because again, she's kind of got that double threat where she understands the financial planner side of it, but then she also understands, you know, the life coaching and the mindset piece of it. And that, you know, the industry truly is changing where people don't want that standardized, like you just tell me what to do model. They want somebody to partner with. They want someone with the emotional intelligence that can guide them through, you know, creating that vision that they want, you know, the budget, investing in their future, all of those things. So, you know, I encourage you to kind of step into the driver's seat, find yourself a good partner like a Misty or somebody else that's in your community, just to start thinking about, you know, all the different ways that you can start implementing some of the things that she put forth in this episode, because they're not hard. You just have to put some intentionality behind it and make them a priority. And on next week's episode, I have the privilege of speaking with the amazing Samantha Edis. So she is the founder and CEO of Park Place Payments. She, you know, has been a regular on the things like the Today Show, Good Morning America. She has a book out there about really kind of examining the slices of your life. You know, she's just a, a pretty fantastic person. And we are talking about how to normalize financial conversations, especially among us women. So this is a conversation you'll walk away you know, feeling more empowered. It's you definitely do not want to miss it. And, you know, as always, if you love this podcast, please help us out and subscribe, download, rate, and review. And, you know, tell a friend because you couldn't use a little more resilience in their life. See you later. 